0: John and waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show.
1: And if you don't like it, go to the forks let them know. Let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. John Policin waiting with you on the final hours of January
0: 2024. That is correct. What yes. a month. Um. yeah, um I also hesitate to say that because who knows what February has in store.
1: I'm sure it'll be quiet. <laughs> we'll see. Nothing happening month. It's, uh, it's a it's a 29-day February this year.
0: Uh you're right. Yeah, leap year.
1: I I am under the impression at least my parents had told me that was my original due date as a as a child. I was expected for February 29th and it was a leap year the year I was born, yeah. so. I would have been a. I would have had to hear that joke forever. Um, really right. glad I I came a few days later. Anyway, on to the
0: show we go. How are you doing? Not bad. Yeah, doing all right. How about you? I'm okay. Just Average, okay. All right. Fine. It's been a it's been a long week. It's been a long month. Well, when when has it ever been a a short week? I guess for you.
1: Um. I, I can't. I can't remember what happened two weeks ago, but I imagine it wasn't too too crazy. That's what I'm thinking, off the top okay. of my head. All right. We have a bit of news to uh, get to before a mm-hmm. uh, dynamite. We also have some 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 house news to share with everyone. So huge s- announcement, massive, major. giant, big announcement. Bottom of your screen coming mm-hmm. up. Waiting has a major announcement, um, but we. Want to alert people that we have a, a couple of shows uh, to check out on, on the site if you would like to go. The annual MMA Prediction Show is now up and live. Myself and Ariel Hawani reuniting to continue the MMA prediction tradition as we go through the predictions made one year ago. And then a brand new list of likely or unlikely is constructed as well as our bonus game at the end of the show called Confirm or Deny where I read a bunch of headlines involving Ariel Hawani over the past year, and Ariel had to decipher if these were real or fake headlines.
0: What a return that you guys had. Um, I mean, this was, I think, if anything, it showed us how many people like anticipate this show. You know, the number of times we've been asked, where, where is the MMA prediction show? And you guys came back in a big way, not just with your uh, predictions game, of course, but... a a tremendous discussion off the top about, you know, just, just, I think everything, uh, you know, what we were recording on.
1: (laughs) That was was our, that was before I hit the lot that was on the show.
0: (laughs) Sorry to break (laughs) it to you. Absolutely. I mean, it, it felt almost like that personal, just a conversation between two friends. So, um, I encourage everybody to, to listen to it. Yes. Well, if you want to hear,
1: um, completely off the cuff, okay we we went into that it was we're we gonna do the show yes and that was it that that's our that was our prep it's kind of like why okay. did
0: it take until january 30th for I'm the MMA of... prediction show to take place
1: in in fairness it was a very crazy month for me but it is all explained in the uh the first half hour i was glad that mm-hmm. we uh included that portion and then uh got into the uh the regular mma prediction show but a lot of people look forward to this show i i I heard from people at UFC 297 they're like where's the prediction chill? It's like oh you know what it's am I really that uh that notable a figure in the MMA space? I mean let, let's let's be honest. We we got are now. I guess so. I had to I had to somehow get some attention. All right. Let's uh also mention the fact that this week we have got Rewind Away dropping on Thursday. We are going back to September the 3rd, 2001. It's the midst in the midst of the invasion storyline involving the Alliance and the WWF. And the battleground is the Air Canada Center, where on this night, after a brand new pickup truck is purchased for Steve Austin, he is abducted and taken away, where Kurt Angle threatens to kill him around the outskirts of Toronto.
0: Uh, was this the outskirts i mean i've always like tried to do my best to identify where this place was and in my mind it, it was probably somewhere in the city like maybe like a the Don valley or something
1: that was i assume this was like the Don river yes um, yeah quite the uh quite the episode of raw i am not quite done this show yet and we will <laughs> share all of our thoughts on thursday it's it's a two I hour it. raw, so can't can't complain too much about it. Like ninety minutes of of raw when you cut out
0: commercials. Uh, complain? I mean, I I cherish it. You know, I love the invasion. Bring it on! I can't wait to talk about this. Okay, well that's coming up on Thursday for
1: all members at the Post Wrestling Cafe, and then Friday it's the end of Echo.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, the season finale of Echo on MCU later. So join Rich Fan WH Park as they talk about that show which I believe is is released in its entirety already. So go and check it out, finish it, and listen to those guys talk about it, as well as the MC News, a weekly, or at least at this point, um, I guess regular news segment talking all about, uh, you know, everything going on with Daredevil, Born Again. So that, that to me is as big of a hook as the review itself.
1: Okay, we'll check all of that out. And then Saturday, we have got Collision Course. We have got the... Uh, NXT show coming up on Sunday night, Vengeance Day with Davey and Brayden. So lots of great stuff to catch over the next couple of days. It is a brand new month. So for those that want to jump on board, postwrestlingcafe.com is your place to go. And for members at all levels coming up in February, we're going to have another three editions of Rewind Away beginning with the September 3rd, 20, edition of Raw. And then later this month, we have got the Smashing Machine documentary on Mark Kerr and WrestleMania 24 featuring Shawn Michaels and Rick Flair, Floyd Mayweather against Big Show. Yes. Edge and Undertaker. Quite yeah. the quite the WrestleMania.
0: It was a big one, of course, as well. Every Friday, Rewind of SmackDown, every Saturday, collision course. Uh you'll get to follow Bruce and Karen as they go through the rest of Okada's matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's a huge Dude. match for New Japan. Yeah, so. they'll
1: have uh, they'll have a show after the Osaka card on the eleventh and after the uh well they will be doing a show recapping both Sapporo shows uh coming up February 24th that same weekend as Elimination Chamber so um there's gonna be a lot of big New Japan shows we will have coverage of those and for Double Double Espresso members uh audio updates um that I shall be resuming uh cut me some slack the last uh week where I've pretty much been recording something every day but the audio updates will be uh populated once again so there you have it postwrestlingcafe.com we appreciate everybody's support and the whole schedule for the month will be up uh, on thursday that's the day that comes after wednesday if i recall well way it is as i mentioned almost the end of january you know what that means it's the end of kazuchiko's okada's contract which is it's already february 1st in japan so the man is a free agent he is okay yeah
0: technically yes yes technically yes Mm-hmm.
1: and pro wrestling tees had noted that they are taking down okada's merchandise but as it's been noted this is more so a new japan deal of selling new japan merchandise of okada's should not be reading into where he is going although um that's that's going to be the the focus of things uh tony khan has a major announcement coming up next week so everyone's uh speculation will begin do you think tony khan knows what his major announcement is as we speak today seven days out I would have to think so. Or is this yeah. like, does he have a, a drop-down menu that it's like, if need be, it can be this. I have this on the back burner. It's like it could be any of like four announcements at the moment.
0: I'm betting he knows what it is.
1: Well, we will, uh, we will find out next week. Um, do you have any like strong thoughts way on like where you see where do you see him leaning?
0: I mean, the the rumor seems to perhaps indicate um, more towards AEW than WWE. I I would expect what, what, that. What's more interesting to you is it the, it's is WWE it, for sure, because mm-hmm. it's more unknown. Because it's yeah different matches. You know, AEW is very much, I think, um, uh, you know, it, it's a product that's heavy, heavily heavily in, influenced by New Japan. So I think um, a lot of the sort of match styles and even just like roster it feels very similar to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, whereas WWE I, I, is a total un, uh, unknown. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the potential of an Okada, like, uh, you know, the, the sort of um, ceiling for success is higher.
1: When do you think that we will see Okada in wherever he he lands? If it's AW, mm-hmm. would you anticipate that it would be as early as the next pay-per-view?
0: Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, for WWE, be- probably after WrestleMania you know, would feel like a good time to de- debut him.
1: You have the potential that if, if in fact, you do sign Okada, that that revolution show could have Sting's retirement, um, this title match mm-hmm. with Joe, Osprey, Okada. Like, this could be a gigantic show when it comes to uh, new talent and th- this Sting retirement climax as well that has been doing very well selling tickets, at least for that pay-per-view. I don't know if the... The the road to, I just looking at like the ticket numbers and stuff, I really feel like this sting retirement, is it being maximized in terms of the lead up for it? Like these are all cities he's going to for the last time that you get to see him. And I, you see that there's so much interest in the match, of course, at the end of it, but I don't know if I'm quite feeling it for the, this lead up they're building up next week, pretty significant with the tag title match in Phoenix. Um, Like next week's show feels like a big show just in terms of a week-to-week thing like this is the last that they're going to have sting featured in these cities and it just it, it hasn't connected at the same level like this retirement match has in the same way. right
0: i guess it's not really like AEW or tony Khan to, to announce matches you know that far in advance other than something as big as a retirement um still just so. locally
1: promoting like see sting for the last time like merchandise in all of these cities like
0: you know well do we know that it's the last time i mean he could still make appearances beyond his last match
1: well i think it's going to i i think you could get away with doing like the farewell tour i mean just you know sting's mm. farewell i mean it's it's not like this guy's gonna be making towns and stuff on the regular once once he's done here i mean you could see him right. in some kind of ambassador role but i mean this is this is kind of the farewell mm. anyway uh, we move on. Uh, not not a ton of news. We went through quite a bit of it with, uh, with Brandon earlier today, but something we have not talked about is Friday Night SmackDown. The voices of SmackDown will now be Corey Graves and Wade Barrett together. It sounds like Corey Graves will be assigned the play-by-play duties with Wade Barrett. Don't hate
0: it. I reserve judgment to see, to to hear, you know, how Graves sounds.
1: Um, I think Graves is going to be fine in play by play. As we mentioned, the fact that he kind of assumed that role a lot with Kevin Patrick when you're watching things. And Mm. I'm sure for him, I'm sure he's looking for a challenge on commentary and doing something out of his comfort zone. It's not often that we see this transition. I'm at least curious to see it. Uh, WWE is not shy about shaking up its commentary team. So, worst case it doesn't work and th- they do need a play-by-play man for the future i don't know if vic joseph is going to be the guy that's earmarked if you're vic joseph maybe you're getting a little antsy about okay yeah what what do we need to do for me to get this position as opposed to um all like graves what we'll, we'll we'll try him out there it's like is joseph just glued to that NXT seat for perpetuity
0: i i almost feel like if i'm vic joseph i'm I'm happy to stay at NXT because I think the sooner you get called up to the main roster, the sooner you might be out the door completely if you don't, for whatever reason, satisfy, you know, their wants. Um, I, I I mean, I, ha- I have to think that they – I feel like they would have used him by now um, instead of a Kevin Patrick, you know, if they actually um, were that high up on him. So, I mean, I I don't know. It's really hard to say. But I, I think I, – I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, Graves um, – will perhaps uh, live up to the, to the task. I mean, he already is somebody who seems to know every move. Um, he seems to be, you know, an encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge in and outside of, of you know, the WWE. So um, I, I'm i at least optimistic that he at least has the base, certainly, to provide that role. I'm curious to see, like, how much of his sort of, like, more heel, heel-leaning character he retains and how much more of a neutral stance he takes, you know, because that's sort of traditionally demanded of that role.
1: Great you know? point yeah i mean you kind of don't want sort of like the heel antics in your play-by-play commentator and it's sort of reductive when you've got wade barrett there for that specific um like i would say neither go so far in the heel direction but they do sort of like play that that end of things so that would be interesting to see if if they do change that at all the chemistry could be completely off between these two but i'm curious to see it i'm interested Mm -hmm. to see this experiment play out on friday and in the ensuing weeks to see if this works or it's just a rough fit and it's just trying to put a square peg in a round hole but yeah nonetheless we will uh hear their voices on friday night a couple of ratings notes collision on saturday night this was the show going up against the royal rumble and what we got was a uh not a great number for a collision 300 viewers down 32 percent this week 0.06 in the demo which was down 39%. Um this included women 18 to 49 almost dropping in half. Uh 18 to 34 down 23% although women 18 to 34 up from the previous week. All right. Hard to explain, but that was it. This was Eugene be- Nagata. Yuji Nagata, big among women, 18 to 34. Uh, yeah, that, must be. You know, They wanted some blue justice on, on Saturday night instead of the Rumble. So this would be the lowest collision on a Saturday night airing. There was one Friday episode in November that was technically lower. But this, regardless of nights, the lowest 18 to 49 number ever, we knew this was going to get destroyed, and it did. And I guess my question to you is, way, if this was a 300,000.06 um, against the Royal Rumble, Night one of WrestleMania, like what what is the absolute lowest that this can go? Do you see it being significantly more for a WrestleMania or do you see it being kind of this level that this is an AEW loyalist that is going to watch? And I can't wait to see what Tony has for that Saturday night.
0: I I feel like it'll be at about this level. Like if you're somebody who is um, at least, um, you know, an AEW fan who might be curious about the WWE, you're probably watching two slash three shows out of the year and that would be the rumble and both nights of wrestlemania so to me the rumble almost feels just as important as a mania if you're an AEW fan i think so i don't anticipate it bottoming out that much more but um we shall see i guess what do you think
1: i think it'll be lower than this but i don't think it's gonna go crazy lower than this Mm -hmm. i feel this is like this is pretty low like a point zero six like that's Man, it's hard to imagine Collision doing lower than that. Like, I I just when Collision launched, even against a rumble, I couldn't have fathomed it being that low. But
0: we have to take also into account just the sort of like constant erosion, you know, that exists regardless of of competition for Collision as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors um, that are going into it raw on monday did a million nine hundred nine thousand viewers and a point six one for the show following the rumble that had the commercial free first hour which topped two million viewers uh opening up with cm punk's announcement and confrontation with drew mcintyre but the peak was for the seth rollins cody Rhodes segment and um there was a drop in the, in the third hour but still it was you know almost 1.7 million viewers in hour number three interesting though canada um, They did this insane number last week and then kind of fell back to normal range uh, this week. So there you go. Canada getting back to normal where it's the uh, Zara world compared to the U.S. numbers. And NXT doing 648,000 viewers, very similar to what they did last week. Difference of 1% and a 0.18 in the demo, which actually was their lowest 18 to 49 number uh, since uh, late December, down 7% from last week. And those are your your numbers to store in your head and have as easy ammunition for your next online argument
0: are you um are you anticipating maybe a year from now not having at least um one set of those numbers to
1: well we'll still have we're not gonna have raw numbers presumably uh, unless you know nielsen starts to track them at a more uh significant rate as we're getting now but we'll still get all AEW numbers we'll still get nxt and we'll still get smackdown um canadian mm. numbers though probably going to the wayside outside mm. of AEW. i mean that's that whole package is going to be on netflix so um anyone at netflix uh john at postwrestling.com you can uh, you can reach out uh, always always happy to hear from you so there you have
0: it will you, will you miss any uh ratings data um a a bit here and there i mean if it if it affects the quarter hours at all certainly i think those are very interesting you know i think they're they're very important i think people
1: i i I think people it's not so much the data that they detest it's the The reaction it's the reaction and i think Mm -hmm. you should separate those two because i don't think we should be advocating for less information but nonetheless it's it's what you do with them okay well i need to take a breather so way take it over
0: Well, as we mentioned, everybody, we have a big announcement that concerns the post-wrestling universe, uh, and we'll shake it to its core, and I'm here to deliver it right now. So everybody, stand by. Here we are. The post-wrestling store has moved to Chopped Teas. Yes. What? Everybody. Did you know this, John? I probably should have told you before
1: Finding out for the first
0: time here. I didn't know. I got a pack. No one really really tells you anything these days. Yes. (laughs) Take all this down? We have moved to chop Tees. All your favorite post-T-shirts and hats are now available at the same low prices, but for the very first time, we are expanding our catalog. Yes. Now, all of our original T-shirt designs are also available on long sleeve tees, women's tees, baseball tees, ringer tees, sweatshirts, and yes, John, finally, hoodies. Oh, man. Is that our shared brain on a hoodie? Uh, I, I think it is. I am also proud to announce that we are finally releasing new merchandise for MCU later, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, and we've even brought back the original Four Pillars Long and Winding Royal Road design, the very controversial Uh Four Pillars Long and Winding Royal Road design. Uh, But if hats are more your thing, you can now pick up our latest addition to our very popular lineup of snapbacks and dad caps with the post-wrestling trucker cap. As I always say, John, we do it for the truckers. You know, hours and hours of content to keep you guys company. Now, whether or not you're a trucker, you can uh, put put our logo on your trucker cap. Chop Tease utilizes a global fulfillment network, meaning that when you buy your favorite post wrestling merch, it'll be printed and shipped from a fulfillment center as close to your address as possible, which not only reduces carbon emissions, but means your order is delivered super fast. Just check out the estimated delivery indicator on each product page to see how quick you can expect your purchase. And for the first time, if you live in the U.S., Canada, Australia, the U.K., and most EU countries, shipping is completely free. So before, John, with our store, you would have to pay 15 U.S. dollars to have a shirt and a hat shipped outside of the U.S. But with Chopped Tees, shipping is completely free. And if you're in one of these free shipping countries that are listed here, you'll pay in your local currency, meaning that you'll know exactly how much you'll be spending without extra credit card fees. So no... Pay no shipping fees, pay no handling fees, pay no international transaction fees, and get most items delivered in a week. Simply go to chop com slash postwrestling or click on the store button at postwrestling.com and support your favorite post wrestling, Poison Rana, and WrestleNomics contributors while getting great value on your purchase. And before we get out of here, I just wanted to perhaps browse, John, maybe get some of your reaction. I would Uh, love to see these. I want to just give a special shout out here to uh Dickie bird who, you know, um, doesn't even really want to be mentioned like in in something like this, but he's put in incredibly like endless amount of work on the site and and it's his baby. And we saw the great success that our friends at Poison Rana have had with him. So I hit him up and I was like, Hey Dickie, come on, let us in here. And uh, he very graciously did. Uh, So go to chopped dash tees.com and you can browse everything within the post wrestling section here. Uh, Not only do we have baseball tees for, you know, every shirt that we're currently selling. Wow. I've seen none uh, of these. Yeah, uh, this is brand new. It just launched today. Are you kidding me? Look at this brand new Nubian Wrestling Advocates Ooh, shirt. Can I? Can, can you uh, enlarge? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm. I'm just, you know, again, um, everything goes directly to the uh, people who host these podcasts. So if you are a fan of any of these shows, uh, and if you want to support the podcasters, uh, all you know, all the profits for these shirts go directly to them. There's the original Pillars design. Look at this MCU later a red hoodie i think it's gorgeous so man that's going to be seen at the bmv i'm sure do you uh, know what do you know what the message
1: will be when they inevitably sell out the Nubian wrestling advocates t-shirt
0: what's that john
1: straight out of cotton
0: (laughs) yes very good thank you uh yeah so go and check it out everybody just simply do some browsing as we mentioned it's free shipping on uh all orders so Pretty much like outside of your local taxes, the price that you see advertised is what you'll be paying. Um, Dickie has really just kind of like put the customer first when it comes to all of this stuff. He puts a lot of care into the creation of this site. Uh, so go browse it. Browse WrestleNomics section. Browse, uh, you know, the Poison Rana section, which has a ton of teas. So thank you very much to chop Teas for welcoming Post Wrestling to their store
1: chop-tease.com slash post-wrestling. Go join it and uh, and support your your favorite members of the post-wrestling community. I won't be uh, – I, I, I will defer and assume that they'll be going ways ways
0: direction. <laughs> I don't think so, John. If We we should really get a, a John Pollock-specific shirt there. There are so many ideas over the past week that I think we can uh, mm. come up with you for.
1: Well, over time we will uh I'm sure we'll be uh further populating the uh the yeah. wonderful store. So thank you to uh well I I was really the brainchild behind this whole extension, wasn't thank I? Thank you, John, as
0: always. I yes. Did a lot of the heavy lifting for this one, but uh great stuff. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerdwallet's Smart Money Podcast.
1: On to Dynamite, we are going to be going to the UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, Louisiana, site of tonight's Dynamite, where Russell Ticks noting 1,990 tickets out. So much like Savannah last week, not a very uh, stellar number, although I would say they were um, in particular. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but the most over guy on this show was Rob Van Dam. And yes, he was the pseudo surprise But man, he was like head and shoulders, like the biggest reaction on a show that had Moxley, that had Jeff Hardy, that had Hangman Page. I mean, Rob Van Dam and that match. That was the most lively the crowd was for that hardcore match, and they were smart to book it as a hardcore match.
0: They were smart to book it as a surprise. I mean, it was a heavily telegraphed surprise on the level of you know CM Punk in the in the first dance, um, but still, like it, it it allowed the crowd to at least anticipate it. And once they heard Pantera, they treated the man like a superstar. And of course, it helped that he, he wrestled a great match too. So I think the surprise helped him. Um, I but I thought I sensed like good reactions though for a lot of people on the show. We,
1: uh, we started off with John Moxley and Jeff Hardy, and they focused on the CMLL talent in the crowd with Hechicero, who's taking on Brian Danielson on Collision Saturday, Mystico, Volador Jr., and Mosca Dorado, who would get further involved uh, later on. But we start things off. They note that next week, folks, it's been too long, a major announcement to be made by Tony Khan next week. So that's mm-hmm. that's the main event next week moxley is just dominating this match he runs hardy's shoulder into the post and then at one point hardy sends moxley over the barricade and he knocks into the cml guys mystico was having none of this and hardy whips a chair up moxley goes for the poetry in motion off the steps but gets caught with a fist from john moxley go through the break and we come back from the picture in picture, and there is john moxley putting a pen through jeff hardy's earlobe i had forgotten about how grotesque this man's usage of his ears were in WWE and I guess John Moxley has just been
0: waiting for this chance to work this man's earlobes. I I had too forgotten about um the magic and the incredible flexibility of Jeff Hardy's earlobes. Um oh. I, I thought he had said that he would be done with these like he was kind of done with these spots after like, I believe using it on a on a chain to a ladder at one point and almost having his earlobe ripped off. But I guess a pen and John Moxley, he will uh, like I may, I maybe John Moxley really begged him in the back, Hey, can I use your earlobe? And um <laughs> it made this match, I think, um it took it to a next level, I would say. Wow, it was it was quite the
1: Quite the image to come back on Moxley uh, ends up taking a twist of fate. And then he's on the edge of the apron and Hardy falls with a whisper in the wind. Moxley counters a twist of fate, landing his own cutter. And then after Hardy hits uh, more twist of fates, he climbs to the top, misses the swanton. And this allows Moxley to take the back rear naked choke with the hooks in trapping the arm and getting the submission. Uh, They went 15 minutes and four seconds. And I honestly, I thought this was one of like Jeff Hardy's better, uh, performances that i've seen mm-hmm. in the longest time i mean he to me really had his working boots on tonight with someone at moxley's level they went 15 minutes this was one of his more significant matches i would say since his comeback as well i,
0: I think it was the earlobe that made the, the big difference john you know um no i mean I, I kid but like i think it took somebody with the intensity of a john moxley and maybe a spot like you know the pen in the earlobe um spot to really kind of take this to another level of like sympathy drawing for jeff hardy i thought this was like mox at near nearly his most vicious and you know it's so interesting how he continues to be able to like switch back and forth between wrestling as a baby face and wrestling as a heel but because he's even like as a heel so dominant and so cool it just ends up making him a bigger baby face. So I I really find it fascinating how he, especially among all the Blackpool Combat uh, Club guys, have really kind of tapped into that. And I thought Jeff Hardy was utilized to his best effect here. You know, again, driving up the sympathy, getting beaten up by mocks, serving for some really great comebacks. So I thought it totally worked. Maybe he needed to
1: just tap into the fountain of youth and he threw on uh, WWF Raw from uh, September 3rd, 2001. Man, I was in the main event with Chris Jericho.
0: I got wow. got to go out there. We we have several uh, uh, September 9th, two thousand one. Oh, WWE dude, when you go through this for... AEW, this this Raw show, I mean, it is
1: it has a very much a uh, an AEW flavor to it. Uh, okay, in certain parts, yeah. yes. So then we go. Hardy is applauding Moxley, and Moxley comes over to offer his hand, but Hardy blows him off and just walks off. And they can't believe that Jeff Hardy would do this. So we are we are moving over to the heel turn. But then as he's like walking up the ramp, he's like he's putting his hands together to like the kids. It seems like he's like, uh, "Forgive me, I'm." uh, It's just this guy.
0: It might not necessarily be heel turn, but just maybe more Jeff Hardy with a bit of an edge. Oh, Oh, okay. He's
1: in AEW as well. um that on that show in 2001
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure that interaction will be uh will be coming shortly as well yes
1: so moxley he's just gotten insulted here by jeff hardy and then the cmll guys all jump the barricade entering the ring with moxley and they all start fighting and the announcers explain the bcc are not here tonight which i always always applaud those little uh notifications and so security runs in they're attacked And then John Moxley was like, dude, I really need to be a bit more social and develop some more friends because here (laughs) to run to his aid are, I'm not kidding, Matt Seidel, Christopher Daniels, Angelo Parker, and Matt Menard who run (laughs) down. And here are the the four horsemen uh, down here to save John Moxley. And this will be our (laughs) rampage match for uh, the CMLL guys against uh,
0: Uh, New Orleans Combat Club. The New yeah. Orleans Combat Club, yeah. yes, yeah, the standbys. Uh, I mean, really, what this was it was it almost felt like they were framing this the, the CMLL sort of stable as an invasion, you know, uh, not not unlike of uh, September third, two thousand one here, you know, almost an alliance of of, of luchadors here. But man, do you think Hechesero's is going to get a new truck purchased by
1: <laughs> maybe that's
0: Tony Khan's big announcement next week? He's purchased a truck. Yeah. How how, how tall are the bridges in New Orleans? I guess. anyway um uh, but you know i i like this idea you know and, and that's why i think it, it took like sort of your um uh i hate to say it, but like you know aw job job squad to come out to defend the honor of aw against these guys so i'm very curious to see where they go forward with it uh, of course later on they would announce uh, a bcc versus cmll trios match which i think is a hell of a way to introduce these these luchadors to to put them against these these like high level main eventers
1: I like that they're really going hard with the the CMLL guys. I mean, go mm-hmm. with like a flavor that is something unique to yourself, like like Lucha Stars. That is something that, you know, WWE is really not going that direction with like authentic Lucha doors in terms and, and ones with names attached to them that are coming in that you can do something with and establishing them as a serious act right out of the gate. And not just they're just here to have great undercard matches, but have no no weight behind them. I mean, they're putting totally. them with the top group and making them look competitive right out of the gate here with Moxley. So I thought it, I thought it was a good introduction uh, for them. And uh, I already look forward to their reactions when they announced Danielson and
0: Hechicero today.
1: Who? What's, <laughs> what's the story?
0: If they had built this as a, a dream match, maybe I could have like, you know, understood some of, some of that sort of criticism. But I mean, this just sounds like a great introduction for a new wrestler on AEW TV.
1: Next up, we go to our uh, Hangman Page and Toa Leona match with uh, this being the first dealer's choice match. And I I thought Toa worked really well in in Mm -hmm. this match in terms of this was a big, big match for him in a in a singles outing here. Hangman is this guy just does not have like bad television matches. He is just doesn't have bad matches, period. Yeah, that's uh, I was going to expand. But yes. Page, uh cannot knock him off the apron after a series of springboard clotheslines, so they did a big deal until he could finally get Toa off of his feet. Toa then pounces him into the rope, and they explain if there weren't ropes there, Hangman would be in the fourth row.
0: Well, um, a bit of an exaggeration, but but you never know. Thank, thank, thank God there were those ropes there. So
1: the match continues, and after the pounce, we get a running hip attack. Toa then misses a senton on the edge, and it's Paige now with the suicide dive. Toa still doesn't go down, and then finally hits him with a high cross in the ring, getting a two-count. Inside-out, Lariat struggles to get him up for the Deadeye, but after he hits it, Toa just pops up and headbutts him, and we get a discus clothesline for a near fall. Toa misses a moonsault off the apron, crashes on the floor, opening uh, things up for Hangman to hit the Orihara, and then as he goes for the buckshot, Toa ducks it at first pop up Samoan. But as he goes to hit the Samoan drop, hangman turns it into a crucifix for the pin in 12 minutes and 35 seconds. So um good match. And I thought that they, they got something here out of Toa before uh, beating him.
0: Very much so. Yeah. Um I, I Always um like AEW's roster is so stacked that you might have somebody who like a Toa Leona who like is, is this good but is is so untapped because we've only seen him in the multi man matches. And so you put him into a singles capacity that's featured on dynamite and um I, you'll have like a lot of very impressive matches that you know might ultimately just kind of be stepping stones for guys that are being focused on these rankings which we will go to uh, they were just announced everybody so um, but yeah very successful showcase for to- Toa Leona and, and a very good David Goliath type of victory for Adam Page um, they're obvious like sort of like Umaga like archetypal comparisons for Toa Leona and he certainly has that intensity very exciting offense and I thought this was the type of match that like gave you glimpses of maybe the sort of um, you know future singles run you might see with him.
1: Then we see uh, the rankings, as they mentioned, are going to be re- released tonight, so we, we can go through those rankings if there's any. Want to do, do it now? Sure, why not?
0: All right, uh, yeah, yeah, just released you. from Tony Khan here. The first, the return of the AEW rankings for January thirty first, two thousand twenty four, and we have uh, well, interesting to see how they list it here because uh, it's strictly uh, under the men here. We've got. Uh, your list of champions Samoa Joe as your world champion, Christian Cage as your TNT champion, international champion is Orange Cassidy, and the continental crown champion is Eddie Kingston. And your contenders are in first place, Swerve Strickland, in second place, Hangman Adam Page, followed by Adam Copeland, followed by John Moxley, and then followed by Roderick Strong. So those are your top five in the men's division. In the women's. Copeland doing his deal that he.
1: He could get his title match with Christian, but he's opting to work his way up. But now he's ranked third. So, I mean, I guess he can just keep working his way up.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's Uh the story. He's working his way up to get to earn a rematch for the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Well, at this rate, I think he could probably get a match with Joe pretty quickly. I think he's kind of overshooting his coverage here. Yeah. That's right, yeah. In uh, the women, of course, we have uh, Timeless Tony Storm and Julia Hart as your world and TBS champions. And the number one contender currently is Deanna Perazzo, followed by Tony uh, Thunder Rosa, followed by Hikaru Shida, followed by Sky Blue, and rounding out the top five, Mariah May. I feel like I'm like Tarzan Dan or something, you know, going through these the countdown here uh in our tag team division led by ricky starts at big bill as your champions we have sting and darby allen um obviously as your number one contenders followed by silver and reynolds in second place followed by danielson claudio castagnoli in third I, i'm sure there's some logic to this but like you just look at the, the john silver and alex reynolds have uh the leg up on
1: brian danielson and claudio castagnoli
0: i imagine it's a lot of activity on like roh or um should, should
1: these should, should roh count for this Separate company. Um, that's
0: a great question, actually. Yeah, it's a very interesting Tony question. Tony Khan's words, not mine. Different okay. company. Uh, for, uh, fourth place, private party. Fifth place, Orange Cassidy and Trent Beretta. Uh Yeah, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm sure chat room will, will maybe give us uh, uh, so, so, some of those answers. And then finally, we have our, our trios division with the acclaimed and daddy-ass as their champions. And the number one contender interestingly, Bull club gold. So I, I, I guess they're not necessarily recognizing ROH title wins. Um, but they have to recognize, like... ROH matches because, like, I feel like there are ROH title defenses on AEW. Therefore, shouldn't that count towards those rankings? Um, Okay. Uh, The Hardys and Mark Briscoe are in second place. And then we have the Dark Order, Uh, fourth place, FTR and Daniel Garcia. And then the House of Black are in fifth. Okay. Those are the rankings. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, what matters is just, you know, who the number one contenders are. Everybody else, they could just kind of change up as they go along.
1: Right. Are they going to be putting these up? What do, do they, When did they say they do these? Every
0: month? Every I week? don't think they said. Okay. Did they? That when they would update these? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I can look forward to this. Maybe a weekly segment. Matt
1: and Nick Jackson arrive earlier today, and uh, a PA hands them a format sheet and refers to them as Matt and Nick, so he's fined $500 because their given names are Nicholas Lee and Matthew Ron John.
0: Mm-hmm. Ron John, yeah. I think that's a shoot.
1: Yeah, it's his real middle name.
0: hmm Yes.
1: Love that Like he gets something like, let's go with Ron John and
0: uh, Nicholas Lee. Well, they have like five siblings, I think, or, or something crazy like that. So I'm, I'm sure they all have interesting middle names. Ron John.
1: Wardlow with the Undisputed Kingdom against uh, Commander. So first sign of bad things to come. We have Dasha introducing him as Mr. Wardlow. Before correcting herself, Mister Mayhem Wardlow. For the purposes of this show, he will be Mister Wardlow from now on. Okay. Well, my wanna... question, my question, question is: When Dogs? When When did
0: this guy become Mister Mayhem? Mayhem? He's like,
1: been I... Mister Mayhem. They have
0: caught since, have call, since
1: call, when? Yes. It's not a pronounced nickname, but it, it's it's been there for.
0: How does he? How does someone justify Mister Mayhem? You know, like what? what like. What There's, there might be a Mrs. Mayhem out there? We don't know. <laughs> he got married and took
1: his private life alone. <laughs> he tries to keep that on the Wardlow. The Wardlow.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: Adam Cole is on commentary, and uh, Wardlow is just throwing Commander around. He launches him with this F5, which um, was not identified as such. I don't know if that term is going to be um, used in wrestling oh. vernacular for the time being, right? Yeah, it an F10. Just, uh, oh, like what that's what Brian Cage called his. So, yeah, yeah, same move. Yeah, this could be the the F-15, whatever you want to call it. And then this guy starts posing and just watching himself on the screen and goes for a powerbomb on the floor, but Commander sends him into the steps and then kicks the rope into the groin, and the crowd does start to get behind Commander. Does the rope walk drop kick, and Adam Cole starts to get worried. Wardlow is the one that should have got worried because Commander goes to the top rope for this Phoenix splash, and he comes down, and dude, I gasped. I thought he killed this guy. He comes down like right. It looked to be right on his throat. I was like, this guy either like crushed his larynx or maybe an orbital bone. I didn't know what it was, but it looked terrible. And Wardlow is immediately grabbing his throat. It's like, holy Christ. And he manages to kick out of this, gets up and delivers a spinning slam. And you're just watching him. It's like, okay, maybe he is okay. And he drapes Commander on the top rope, he does his finish where he draw, drills him into the knee, and then lifts him up for the power bomb. And his knees giving out, so he can't even power bomb him correctly. Totally falls apart at the end. So God knows how much is uh, could be damaged with this guy. But mm-hmm. he was limping noticeably after this match in in the ring.
0: Well, not only that, the man was like, you know, uh, clearly not happy um, after this. He match. He shouldn't have know. been like that
1: that sucked like that phoenix splash was just brutal man like that oh. yeah
0: yeah there, and like even off screen you know in the closing angle the man was like you know like banging at the steps like he knew he did something or something happened here that was going to take him out of the storyline um so again we're we're doing this show right afterwards we don't really sort of have any sort of indication of, of, of how significant the injury is but i mean judging by him like he it it, it seemed to indicate he felt like he could be out for a a, a while after something like this
1: yeah i mean hopefully he gets checked out but it was um like, chat room was, is well. telling
0: me that he tweeted that he's okay so maybe that's that's already an update so well, yeah. i'll find it i mean
1: with with all of these things i mean it's you you do want to like w- wait some time before you know truly the the extent of it i
0: mean he could wake up tomorrow and you don't quite know where things so are. So here's the tweet: a, a normal. This is from at Real Wardlow, which I think he really should change at this point to at Mr. Wardlow. He says, "A normal man's knee would be ruined. I'm no normal man. I'm still coming for the heavyweight title, and there's nothing and no one that can stop me. Knee is just fine." With a wolf and okay, watch well,
1: well, hopefully he escaped uh, injury because there was a. Yeah, it, it was it was a mess of a match by uh, by the end of this thing. Went five and a half mm-hmm. minutes. And afterwards, they grab Commander and Strong says he's going to pay the price when Cassidy and the best friends run down and Undisputed Kingdom just bail and wheel uh, Adam Cole away. Um, beyond the 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 Wardlow stuff, I do feel this Undisputed Kingdom group, like they are missing a spark of some sort. Like Adam yeah. Cole, it's I understand he's injured, but it's not even as though he's got this big, ominous heel presence attached to him. It mm-hmm. just it feels closer to like the comedic stuff we were seeing before, but now they're just all together and they, they kind of feel directionless without Max in the mix Mm -hmm. on top of it. Like here they are, they're, they're feuding with the best friends. Um, And your main guy can't, can't wrestle, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's been a very underwhelming group and it was only introduced a month ago. Like we're talking about it's, and it feels as though it's, it just hasn't picked up.
0: And so, you know, again, like maybe they were forced into revealing themselves a bit early due to whatever reason, uh, who knows, like, you know, what the initial timeline for all of this was prior to Cole's injury. Um, but they have not managed to either keep up whatever momentum that they were able to build with that reveal. And I think it required more significant, um, I don't know, beatdowns or, or like uh, intensity um, of action, you know, from the group. And they've really just kind of felt like a mid-card, team that are really like they're really doing everything by the book here you know like they're just trying to rack up wins in order to get your title shots when in the past they were attacking people behind in, in a pretty gruesome manner so what wh- what happened in that intensity um maybe it's um this was before cool. the ranking so you know now they got a now they got roderick strong at fifth place all right so um
1: well he's already got his title shot locked up for a month from now
0: with well I mean, we're talking about the world title, aren't we? No. I guess? I guess Wardlow um, you know, is going to have to be a bit more active.
1: Shivani did a sit-down interview with Ricky Starks, Big Bill, Sting, and Darby Allen, and there's no physicality um, that they agreed. They, they agreed no physicality, uh, per Way's wishes. There were highlights of Revolution 2021 with a Darby calling out Starks for not respecting Sting and using him as a stepping stone. And Starks says that he's going to, quote, get his lick back on Sting from that Revolution 2021 loss. And you're not even going to make it to your retirement match. And then Starks looks at Darby, and I have no respect for you. Bill says they're being overlooked, and you guys represent all the others who have overlooked us. Sting says he used to admire Ricky Starks because he was the first one to get in his face and talk smack. But you need to earn respect. And, Bill, I've fought a lot of big men, but I don't know if you're a killer like some of them. And Darby then explains that Starks, you blame everyone else, but you need to blame yourself. And for that, Starks tosses water in his face, but Darby says, ah, I made a promise and uh, no physicality here. And Sting
0: just tells him that in Phoenix, Darby's going to hit you, and I will too. Mm -hmm. Good segment. You know, good intensity established here, especially between Darby and Starks. And I thought Sting and Bill sounded pretty good as well. So what are you you expecting title change next week the only
1: swerve i could see is the bucks somehow like we'll get into it with the segment later but where Mm. they get in darby's face and they leave it with the line of we'll have to get their attention somehow else and if you have either the bucks costing sting and darby and you just keep it with Starks and bill but since they've made such a big deal out of it the Bucks winning the tag titles, and that's Sting and Darby. They get the tag titles in the retirement match. That's the big ending hmm. to this.
0: Interesting. Uh and I, I guess the rankings would 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 support it in some way. All the Bucks
1: bad. gotta get some wins. They're not even in the top ten or, or the top five, are they?
0: That is true. I don't think gotta,
1: so. Gotta rake up some wins. They better but I guess they are also the uh they're allowed to manipulate the rankings, aren't they? Like that's kind of the gimmick. Oh, uh, heel heat jumping in front of the line eat yes huh. they're, going, they're going to ignore that their characters will explain that we're also booking for money drawing programs as well we got to create interest and therefore you go with stars even if they're coming off a loss
0: i mean there is a legitimate way that they can just rack up those wins they can book themselves against a bunch of different jobbers and just you know they could do mul- that yes multiple matches a night even <laughs> yes kyle
1: fletcher and chris jericho are next and Callis and Hobbs are out with Fletcher. And right away, Kyle Fletcher hits a Michinoku driver. Um, worth noting, I mean, in terms of it, you're focusing heavily on the Jericho reactions. I mean, it felt like a pretty normal reaction at this point.
0: I would say so. I mean, maybe the Judas, like, sing-along isn't as loud as it was, like, pre-everything. But, I I mean, by the end of the match, like, this was a very sort of, like, um, you know, babyface, you um, I got for no Jericho. booze.
1: Like I couldn't hear any no.
0: booze during the body of the match. Yeah. Um. And I, I really don't expect them going forward. Like, and it really is unfortunately at a. At an inconclusive and almost like kind of like awkward state, you know, at everything that sort of like was brought up between like uh, Jericho and, and Nick Houseman and, and Kylie Ray, like we, it doesn't seem like we're that's that sort of story, or at least we're not learning any new information, right? and we won't be. And I think there's probably um, enough sentiment out there that uh, from people who feel like um, like Jericho was unfairly criticized uh or, or brought up in, in in that case as well i'm not saying that whether or not that's the case but i'm saying there's a large contingent of people that feel that way and as a result like i don't expect his sort of live reactions to be impacted like that much one way or another
1: both men do the uh the 10 punches in the corner jericho's ends with a frankensteiner and then gets tripped by callus as hobbs distracts the referee which kind of feels like should have been the other way around. They go through picture and picture Fletcher hits a brain buster. Fletcher worked really hard here. Um, Callis then distracts, and now it's Hobbs striking Jericho from the floor. Jericho recovers, manages the walls, and Kyle fights the rope. I I did feel there was like some space in the middle here where some of this, it just felt like it was, it was going on, but it, it started like intense with the Michinoku driver spot. And I would say like the final few minutes, they really did go hard. Both of them here. Jericho is down, lands the code breaker out of nowhere, but it's a delayed cover for a two count. And then Kyle goes for a superplex and turns it into an attempted brain buster on the buckle. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to like rewind this to see like what exactly was the intention
0: here. So he has done this move before. Like it's, it, has. it's part,
1: Jericho's yeah. like a big dude, man. And this was, um, it looked devastating. Had Incredible trust in Kyle Fletcher.
0: Oh God. It looked devastating. And, and maybe, you know, for all we know, maybe it, it felt perfectly fine, but, um, yeah, this was the intended move, which he's done in the past. Like this sort of done. like corkscrew type of like brain buster DDT with, with the impact that looks like it's all right on the ter- top to buckle.
1: So, Kyle Fletcher, then uh, after a super kick, ducks a Judas effect attempt and lands a roundhouse kick, sending Jericho to the floor. And as Kyle goes for a suicide dive, he's caught mid dive with the Judas effect. I thought that looked great. Mm -hmm. And then Jericho sends Hobbs into the steps, rolls Fletcher in and hits a flying Judas effect off the top with Callis too late to break up the cover. So Chris Jericho, your new ROH television champion. Uh, (laughs) Oh no. Is he in the rankings? Uh, the ROH rankings have not been released yet, but maybe this will uh, propel him up there. I, I listen. I thought these two worked like uh, again. I thought there was like a, a little like downtime in the, in the middle of this, but I thought both guys worked pretty hard in, in this match, and I did like like the Judas effect variations at, at the end, especially yeah. that suicide dive one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a good, very good match actually. Uh, I thought Flet- Kyle Fletcher looked excellent in here. Um, you don't really like. I guess I I don't fully realize how tall he is until he's standing next to somebody, you know, who I, I already consider a heavyweight, and I think we all do, in a Chris Jericho. But, like, the man towers over a Chris Jericho. Um, I thought Fletcher's, like, intensity in his moveset all looked really good. And I thought the cali family was also pretty well utilized here to cut Jericho off and to, put again, put him into a very sympathetic position throughout the match. It got the crowd fully behind him by the end. And some very impressive, you know, Judas effects to to really lead us to the finish as well.
1: And Kenosuke Takeshita just walked out and signaled next week it's one-on-one in Phoenix. Deanna Perazzo video uh, for those out there that uh, weren't sure what the tattoos meant. This was a whole video explaining what the tattoos meant
0: really well-produced video that again just kind of continues to not just tell you what the tattoos meant we we knew from the last week that there is they they share a tattoo we can infer a lot of significance but they actually kind of spelled it out for us and showed us photos photographic photos. proof that these always, two knew each always, other
1: wrestlers coming up always take photos of yes. your friends you never know when you'll need them for angles okay
0: always get tattoos on a whim with a random you know uh, wrestler that you oh well, like make sure it's, it's a
1: talented anymore. wrestler that you can use right. to like do like don't just get a yeah. tattoo with someone that you know is going to be you know at the you know at True. a certain level their whole life mm-hmm. then the bang bang scissor gang walks out dude th- i'm gonna say it every time i love this entrance i just think it's like the gr- it's such an awesome looking entrance and now you add the acclaimed coming out afterwards and i think they've got like a good thing going here um oh yeah they all, all six are out and Max Casters says how they've dominated the trios division for years. They brought out the cardboard cutout of Jay. Then they throw it away and instead call for the juice board crowd chants for juice board. And then Billy just says that he's got two words for you, but it's a new era and it's guns up as they all scissored. So um, absolutely no point to the segment other than coming out to just do their shtick. but the crowd loved it. And it was just a segment to just, Hey, Look at us and our cardboard cutout.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose like they, they wanted to um, uh, remind everybody uh, or at least for, uh, formally introduce um, rock card juice board to a TV audience um, because they did it in an online segment. And I suppose maybe they wanted to recognize that. Beyond that, I think it w- it's just maybe helpful to continue to have these sort of establishers because I do think they, they work in – elevating the status of the group and all you have to do is just put them out there and show this crowd reaction to this like scissoring and uh, gun banging and you know like they're they're arguably more over after just even a scene like this than not doing anything at all so um they're to me like this is very clearly pointing towards an eventual feud but I think we're all just enjoying this ride so much in a similar way to how we enjoyed Adam Cole and MJF, you know, when they're come up as well.
1: Natalia and Tegan Knox,
0: maybe less. So maybe they need a hand sign. Maybe that's the missing element. If you were a
1: pro wrestler, would you have, would you be having the time of your life if you were in this group
0: with your dad? (laughs) Yes, of course. Okay. Oh, my dad, your dad. (laughs) yeah i'd uh, i'd have to imagine my dad um scissor banging um with scissor <laughs> me daddy Ting. <laughs> uh i and that's not really um something i care to imagine um, okay i'm sure so, he'd have fun yeah here are our lineups. can you night- if, can you imagine if your dad grew up telling everybody to suck it yeah that's <laughs> you that's my imagine.
1: dad he used to be a smoking gun and now he's uh, <laughs> uh
0: yes. He a, what a I'm sure they've had very interesting lives. Golden in Austin.
1: So Rampage on Friday, top flight against Private Party. Billy uh Big Bill and Ricky starts against our number 2 contenders, John Silver and Alex Reynolds in a eliminator bout. Queen Amanada versus Willow Nightingale and then Mystico Volador Jr. Mosca Dorada and Hechicero against Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Christopher Daniels, and Matt Seidel, all together. And we will hear from the best friends. So Friday the, night, the, there you
0: the go. New Orleans Combat
1: Club. And Collision, Danielson, Hechicero, Eddie Kingston against Brian Keith are the two matches announced so far. Deanna Purrazzo against Taya Valkyrie. Tony Storm is on commentary. And uh, Purrazzo runs Taya into the steps and then starts making out with uh, Johnny TV as we go to picture-in-picture. Perazzo sends her into the apron with a Russian leg sweep. And then in the ring, Taya stops the Venus De Milo. And as Deanna hits a baseball slide, drop kick walks up to Tony storm. And as they cut to Tony, they go to black and white and then back to color. Just a nightmare. I think here for this production team to try and um,
0: keep consistent. I almost feel like they're, they're, they're a little, they're getting a little too obsessed with it. Like, they, like <laughs> I don't think it needs to be done every time you cut to Tony storm. Um, yeah. It's a nice effect like when when they're doing it, but I almost feel like it's bordering on like a, a little bit of overusage. So, some of Storm's highlights
1: were after thinking Tony Schiavone got into such great shape when Ian Riccaboni was there in place of him. Now she was back to being concerned when Tony was back. And then um, after she is uh, sent out of her seat, she just yells, someone has pissed in my seat. And, um just screamed as we cut to Deanna and she hits a pump kick on Taya and then sta- sits on her back and hyper extends both arms for the submission. Um, I'll assume there was a submission by Taya because they cut away for the ending as the match ended. So a little too concerned about Tony storm than the actual ending of the match, but a uh, great submission finish here. I mean, I don't know how many um, opponents you can get such a, uh dexterity here as uh taya did but man that that looks absolutely uh painful
0: yeah that that looks like uh something maybe a, a chiropractor would do to you um if you had serious um scoliosis perhaps um i thought this match was a lot of fun you know i i mean um i'm i think taya really like did her job well here you know and basically serving up uh, a big opponent for diana to kind of showcase herself with it i like if there's anything that you could say about the rankings is that they they provide a consistency for somebody that's you know coming up for a, a title challenge like a diana porrazzo who i think they've done a very good job of keeping in focus on dynamite specifically giving her pretty much like weekly you know wins here and diana has really come through both on the microphone as well as in the ring and continuing to i think show very impressive like performances with flashy cool submission moves like this one so i think this feud is building up pretty well renee is with darby and she has to
1: ask him what tell us about your admiration for the young bucks so renee is following the orders of the producers of this segment matthew and nicholas so the bucks walk into the shot and state that darby you're a hot young star just like us but refer to sting as a blood sucking leech who's taking money from the rest of us and suggest that the three of them be a trio and note that they went through a goth phase in high school and darby just says all i care about are the AEW tag titles and so the bucks say that they will get his attention in another way Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i'm not loving this quite yet john you know like i i feel like on the bucks on their own when they're doing this shtick i i kind of enjoy but when they're placed with what i think are a pretty like realistic well-established group in staying in darby allen that don't really have any sort of like campy shenanigans it kind of takes me out of it you know like the bucks are again they're this is very much like a bte type of gimmick where they're they're almost like very intentionally campy with it um. Again, I'm not fully into perhaps those two sort of tones mixing, but, I mean, they do have time. And if the Bucks are promising that they'll make what Darby and Sting notice in a, in a certain way, maybe they'll get serious and, and do something incredibly dastardly that might, you know, turn me around.
1: And then the final match, Joe comes out for commentary and it is Swerve Strickland in the ring as Pantera hits and this place goes nuts for Rob Van Dam. Um, I was not expecting him to be this popular to th- this crowd but he came out massive chant again i thought he was easily uh the most over person on this show and
0: hangman is i, I, I really do think like i mean beyond Rod van Dam looking great and really i think you know he he's a name that like when you sort of um sparingly can provide great value you know as a special attraction but it tells you i think the value of having to me, in my opinion, Pantera, you know, and, and Tony Khan paying for like licensed music, because uh, I think that to me is as big of a draw as seeing Rob Van Dam himself.
1: Yeah, uh, it's different than uh, coming out to a one of a kind.
0: Or his uh, TNA theme.
1: Oh, yeah. Or screams at the beginning. God, yes. Um, but you're right, like sparingly, like the, the thing with, with Van Dam is that like he's still working like it's nineteen ninety-eight for him. Mm-hmm. He is not like changing up anything. And that's that's you can get by at like forty two, still playing that that character when you're a great athlete. And he is a yeah. phenomenal athlete. But he is now fifty-three, and the yeah. expectation is still to do all the the like two thousand one R V D spots.
0: And he's pulling it off pretty well, you know. Like not only I think the moves themselves, but like the man looks looks like rbd from you know september 3rd 2001 so um yeah like he again i like him as, as used sparingly like in a minoru suzuki type of role um if we had him every single week i almost kind of get the sense we wouldn't appreciate him as much So Hangman
1: appears on the screen and notes that you also get to pick the type of match for dealer's choice and makes it a hardcore match as Swerve turns around and gets a chair whipped at him by Van Damme. And the crowd's into this. There's ECW Chance, and he hits the spinning leg drop off the apron onto Swerve. I mean, this was just amazing that he he hit it to such a precision. And they go through the picture-in-picture. Swerve stops a monkey flip, powerbombing Rob onto the chair. Van Damme then climbs to the top and gets shoved by Brian Cage, who's run down. So Hook comes down and levels Cage with these chair shots. And they do bring up Van Damme and Hook teaming up previously last year. Swerve then avoids the rolling thunder, hits a rolling flatliner. And then Van Damme is seated on the floor in the chair and takes the Swerve stomp off the apron. Rob throws a chair at Swerve on the turnbuckle. And then as he absorbs the chair, Swerve crashes through the table that had been set up on the floor. Place goes wild for that. And then Van Dam comes off the top, misses Swerve landing on the chair with the frog splash and takes a house call with a chair for a two count and then, as Rob is knocked off the turnbuckle, he's seated, he puts up the middle fingers as Swerve comes off with the swerve stomp and pins Van Dam in fourteen minutes and thirty two seconds um this one definitely over delivered for me in terms of a match that we pretty much knew it, what it was going in i number one, I didn't see this like headlining the show um. But, man, they worked really hard um, for these 14 and a half minutes, and they played to Rob's strengths, and he definitely showed up for this one.
0: You're muted. Sorry about that. Um, I wasn't expecting the the hardcore uh, stipulation, and I think both saving – so we all expected Rob Van Damme. But to save the hardcore stipulation uh, as a surprise, I, I thought was incredibly effective here. And I think only heightened this crowd's interest in this match by by revealing it this late. Um, and it allowed Rob Van Dam to do all of his classic ECW spots. And, you know, again, uh, Van Dam is able to almost put, pull off like all of his classic moves, like just as well as he did in the past. And I think he lived up, more than lived up to the expectations of an AEW-made event. And uh, again, Swerve is somebody who seems to have great chemistry with anybody at this point, you know, and again, it could be as a baby face or it could be as a heel and, and uh, it just worked. So uh, yeah, very, a good main event for AW.
1: And page comes down. Both of them are now four and O to start the year and calls Swerve an evil bastard and assumes that when the ranking co- rankings come out, that they'll be on top, but says, I'm never going to let you become champion because I am the next world champion swerve points out i've beaten you twice you have to realize you just can't beat me and pages counter to that is that it took all of the mogul embassy for you to beat me those times but when it counts you know that you just can't lace my boots and that was enough for swerve to say okay let's throw those two matches out you get one more match but then we're really done and boom tony khan has made the match he had that he had photoshop up and ready to go for this outcome and this is going to happen next week on the show with the winner getting the shot at samoa joe at revolution so i mean would lean you towards the idea of a singles match at revolution unless they
0: do the time limit next week which is Hmm. you can't totally throw out as a possibility Well, we, we, I mean, it it does state winner gets a shot at the world championship. So um, would it have to be a scenario? Like, would a draw, create two winners or two losers? I suppose that would be Joe's argument. Mm, Um, You'd have to go to the championship committee. I I think it's possible that they'll do a singles match here, you know, um, uh, uh, at at Revolution. I think, Uh, I think
1: Angman's going to win this one. Like, I don't, I don't see Skuerv winning a third one.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, it, they'll have to come up with a creative way as opposed to to protect Swerve. I I think it it, it creates obviously a big addition of dynamite for next week. You know, with- oh, this, this, this lineup is nuts for next week of what yeah, they've announced. Yeah. They've
1: got Swerve and Hangman, the tag match with Sting and Darby going for the tag titles,
0: Jericho and Takeshita, and then the BCC against the CMLL. It, it feels like a real effort to make almost like a mini pay-per-view level for an edition of Dynamite. And I think at this point um, into this year, Dynamite kind of needs that shot in the arm uh, and this, this sort of like statement making edition of, of Dynamite. And by putting essentially like the the final conclusion of like one of the best sort of like, you know, two matches that they've had over the past year on TV uh, assures that I hopefully there'll, there'll be a lot of elevated interest for Dynamite next week.
1: And the main event is a Tony Khan's announcement. On top of that, that they have next week, so that's in Phoenix. So yeah, a pretty loaded up show for next week. You know, it's it's funny in going through the review. I think that I took a lot of things I enjoyed on Dynamite, but on like going into this show, I was very underwhelmed with this lineup for Dynamite. Mm -hmm. And even watching it, and this is a growing criticism: is just how tiered everybody is on the AEW roster that I don't think anyone would have thought any of these outcomes were in doubt in terms of who's getting pushed, who is going to win. And when you take that out, you're just looking strictly at match quality and, you know, you've got the expected outcomes in all of these. I would say Swerve and Van Dam was greatly above my expectations. Um, Hangman and Toa Leona. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Moxley and Jeff Hardy, Deonna and Taya Valkyrie. The, the, really the only like match that was a mess on this was Wardlow and Commander, but I'm just interested to see if this was like you just looked on paper and this did not look like a big dynamite. And mm-hmm. I can certainly see that being a criticism of the, the show, just in terms of where they were with Star Power and w- w- with the lineup going into it.
0: Yeah. So, like 99.9% of the time, I think we come out of Dynamite enjoying them, maybe enjoying them a whole lot. But whether or not we anticipate them is is sort of a different question. And I would say this week and maybe last week, they felt like they were weeks where I think we're just kind of seeing matches to build up to something like next week. You know, where they're really putting an effort into giving you, like, again, a mini pay-per-view level type of show. And Uh, I thought
1: they did a great job of building up next week. Like, this did feel almost like a a go-home show, which sometimes you mortgage one week for the next and Mm -hmm. you know next week certainly does have that that greater anticipation
0: yeah so maybe you know we just kind of chalk up this week as one of those like you know you're burning one to to gain one and uh with um, rob van dam that is correct very nice yes
1: rob van dam was like the uh the surprise of this show uh Mm -hmm. i just like didn't really give that much thought that i just thought that'd be thrown into the middle of the show and it's a swerve win but yeah, I mean, it was it was your main event again. I uh, like he got a phenomenal reaction, but I think an RVD you do want to probably space out those those appearances. So a couple a couple dealers choices a year for him.
0: I would say like th- this bench was I think uh, received much better than the Mar- Minoru Suzuki match, um, which I thought was fine, but like maybe it, there there isn't as much spectacle or maybe even novelty attached to the Minoru Suzuki appearance these days. Um, and Robin Dam obviously is is a lot more sort of popular uh, on the side of the world. Eugene Nagata got all the shine. He did. I yeah. I suppose, you know, I mean, not a ton of buzz about that one either, um but it was a, a an interesting sort of novelty for a, an edition of Collision that few people were going to watch live.
1: All right. Well, everybody, um it's going to bring an end to Rewind
0: a Dynamite as we uh yeah. As we have some feedback um, oh, or at, at least in the form of a super chat here, or at least just a super uh, s- sticker of support here from Aaron Carnaval who sends $5. Thank you very much for the support Aaron. And uh, if you guys aren't watching live and still want to support the show anyway, chopped com slash post wrestling this is uh your way here to not just support support post uh but but to support our entire network of podcasts uh WrestleNomics is up there Poison Rana is up there so support your favorite podcast
1: and on that note uh earlier today on Pollock and Thurston we had uh Michael McCann on the show he is a uh he is a lawyer and a Sports legal expert over at Sportico. Uh, He's written about the McMahon lawsuit. So a lot of the legal implications were covered uh, with Michael in that interview today. As well, Brandon and I kind of did a a rewind over the past week and looking at some of the coverage of the Vince McMahon lawsuit and going back to some past comments that had been made when Vince McMahon first came back in January of last year. So uh, a lot of focus on the Vince McMahon suit on today's edition of Pollock and Thurston that you can find up on the Post YouTube channel or subscribing to Post Wrestling on your podcast app of choice. So there you go. We are back again on Thursday with rewind away covering raw from September of 2001. That is up for all members at PostwrestlingCafe.com. That will be up on Thursday and then echo the season finale coming out Friday with rich fan and WH park. Um, we'll see. Will they,
0: will they be in their brand new MCU later threads? Well, it's, it's really fast shipping, but I don't think it's that fast. Oh, okay. I mean, they're recording tomorrow night. So,
1: oh, okay. Express. Okay, that's it for us for waiting. I am John Pollock and thank you for tuning in to Rewind a Adon-